from the studios of Adventist World Radio in Pune. From Adventist World Radio in Pune. A warm welcome to you as you join us. This is our international English service. In our program today, we bring inspirational music, health talk on principles of life that are basic. With more enjoyable music, you'll also hear God's word to enrich you spiritually. This is your host, Sharad. And I'm Maureen, and you're listening to Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Let's begin our program with a song. of discontentment tears flow from my eyes in times of loneliness and in times of distress as always there he hears my prayers and comforts when I cry he's always there he sees and knows my heart he the clouds that darken my path When I am weak, He lives and strengthens me He lights the way so clear that I can see He's always there Knows my heart. 
Time to hear a health talk. Stay with us. Coronary heart disease, killer for dinner. Hundreds of thousands of people die every year from heart attack without a murmur of public, the press, or government agencies. Yet the nation's number one killer can be found right on the dinner table. You mean what we eat causes heart attacks? Not everything, just excessive fat and cholesterol. The underlying problem is the hardening, a plugging up of vital arteries that supply the heart with oxygen, a process known as atherosclerosis. People are born with clean, flexible arteries which will stay that way throughout the life. The arteries of many people, however, are clogging up with cholesterol, fat, and calcium, a concoction which gradually hardens and eventually chokes off needed oxygen supplies. During World War II, most Europeans were forced to change their eating habits from their customary diet of meat, eggs, and dairy products to a more austere diet of potatoes, grains, beans, roots, and vegetables. The result: a dramatic decrease in atherosclerosis, which lasted for several years. Since then, a massive amount of data has been accumulated. from the research on animals and humans around the world the results are essentially the same diets high in fat and cholesterol produce elevated levels of blood cholesterol and heart disease diets low in fat and cholesterol reduce blood cholesterol levels and heart disease and even permit plague reversal how can i tell if i have atherosclerosis well there simply aren't any hints of the problem until your arteries are seriously narrowed for most people a heart attack is the first sign of trouble and for all too many that first warning is a sudden death so who is at risk for heart attack the risk factor concept is a good way to determine the likelihood of coronary disease the most serious factor by far is an elevated blood cholesterol 50 year old men with cholesterol levels over 295 mg are 9 times more likely to develop atherosclerosis than men the same age with levels under 200 mg a 20% decrease in person's blood cholesterol level lowers his risk of coronary by 40 to 50% by the age 60 smokers are 10 times more likely to die from heart disease than non-smokers over 160,000 coronary deaths a year are related to smoking about 30% of the total in some places every third adult has high blood pressure as is 3 times more likely to die of heart disease than a person with normal blood pressure obese men are 5 times more likely to die of heart disease by the age 60 than men of normal weight Other risk factors are diabetes, sedentary lifestyle, and stress. All of the risk factors can be controlled by changes in lifestyle and dietary habits. Well, hereditary, age, and gender are risk factors a person cannot control, but they are fortunately the least important. 
what about medications and surgery for those with dangerous cholesterol levels that do not respond adequately to diet medications may be needed medications however are expensive and most have side effects they require frequent laboratory tests and physical checkups more glamorous are the surgical procedures such as bypass operations rotorotor cleanouts and balloon stretching some results have been spectacular but as time goes on and statistics accumulate it is becoming apparent that most of these operations do not prolong life or even necessarily improve it thus medical treatment is temporary at best the only long term solution is a serious change in lifestyle so what is the best approach the best possible approach is prevention and it's never too late to start it but if heart disease has developed as suggested by the presence of coronary risk factors and documented by diagnostic test it isn't too late to make changes in your lifestyles you can actually clean out your arteries lower your risk of dying atherosclerosis and extend your active and productive years of life so start with healthful home cooked meals that are low in fat and cholesterol such a diet can lower low cholesterol levels by 20 to 30% and normalize most cases of diabetes in less than 4 weeks when combined with salt restrictions this diet will also help normalize blood pressure and control obesity begin an active daily exercise program if people would lower their cholesterol below 180 their blood pressures under 125 and quit smoking it has been estimated that 82% of heart attacks before the age 65 could be prevented these simple changes in lifestyle would do more to improve your health and the health of the nation than all the hospitals surgeries and drugs put together thank you for our nice health talk we are sure it was hope for the despondent cheer for the sick and rest for the weary keep listening to awr it will open the door to a new experience in your life to know more on our program you are welcome to write to us on adventist world radio post box number 17 pune 411001 maharashtra india you can also email us on adventist media center at gmail.com you could also hear all our programs on our website that's on awr.org/englishprogram before you hear god's word here's another song Tomorrow Tomorrow 
fulfillment for your life? Do you want freedom from fear? That's why we're here. Welcome to Jesus 101, introducing you to the real Jesus. And now, here's your host, Elizabeth Talbot with Mike Tucker. I'm Mike Tucker. And I'm Elizabeth Talbot. So you said that there was something that impressed you even more than the grandeur of the Parthenon. Uh, what was it? Yeah, which is hard, right? Because the Parthenon is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, um, the whole Acropolis, the whole religious town that they mm-hmm. have there in the hill is unbelievable. And you can actually see it from all over Athens. Mm. But as I went to all these places, I realized the multitude of gods that yeah. these people had. I mean... It's, it's hard to relate to that because in the Western world, we're usually monotheistic uh, society, mm-hmm. right? They had a multitude of gods and they were so afraid of having missed one mm-hmm. that in the time of Paul, they actually had an altar to the unknown God yeah. because they had so many gods 
which is what impressed me, that they were just afraid that they would have missed one. You know, it's important, I think, for people to understand how the ancient mind related to their gods. And in the most part, the gods were pretty well content to leave you alone, they thought, except for certain times of the year when you were obliged to do certain things for them. And if you didn't do that, then they might punish you by doing something rather capricious to you or your family or your or your nation. Mm-hmm. And so it was very important not to miss a god and not to miss a, a <laughs> so that you would offend them, so huh? that you would not have any bad luck. Uh, brought upon you by the gods. And the rest of the time, you could pretty well live your life as you wanted to, but you had to appease those gods. And so, But Paul, knowing this, saw the altar to the unknown god and decided to use this as a point of contact for evangelism. Absolutely. And let's take the story from the beginning so we can see how exciting this is and how impressed actually Paul is when he gets to Athens to see that it's full of idols and, and mm-hmm. gods. And, and so verse 16 of chapter 17 of Acts is where this story actually starts. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his Spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Well, it's very interesting. The marketplace that is mentioned here, that is called the Agora, it's right next to the Parthenon. So you have all these this gods all around the marketplace, and people are there sharing uh, philosophies and right. ways of thinking. And, of course, uh, two brands of these philosophers were the Epicureans. The Epicureans, um, they thought that the supreme good uh, was happiness. And mm-hmm. actually, it was an okay philosophy, except that by the time of Paul's time, mm-hmm. this had degenerated into a more sensual system of thought, which is like, just pursue what makes you happy right now, and it right. doesn't matter. The it, Stoic philosophers, on the other hand. The happiness for the moment. It's, yeah. kind of, you know, it's, it's beyond the, the song, don't worry, be happy. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. it's, it's, uh, Same basic instant philosophy, gratification. But, but even beyond. Yes. Okay. Now, the Stoic philosophers, on the other hand, they were into suppressing desire, understanding their own self-sufficiency. But by the time of Paul, it had also degenerated into this system of pride. Look Mm -hmm. what I do and what I don't do and how I have control over myself. So both of these uh, philosophies had kind of degenerated. And Paul is in the middle of all this. I see remnants of this yet today, even in the church. Both both extremes we see in the church and and outside of the church today. Absolutely. So anyway, Paul uh, began to reason with these individuals. And, you know, they were very much into to new thought and um, uh, something that was novel, something that w- they were very much intellectuals. And so some of them were rather uh, dismissive of Paul. And others thought, well, this is very strange because he's preaching a, a, a God who died and rose again. This was a new thought to them. And it really seemed to be foolishness to them. So they bring him to this place called the Areopagus. The Areopagus actually means hills of Ares. Ares is the, the Greek god of thunder and war. And they had a place there right next to the Acropolis. Um, and they said, okay, we're going to sit down and listen to you. And so he gives this sermon on what is called now Mars Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually stood up in the very spot where Paul stood. And I was like so emotional about yeah, it. knowing well, that sure. he actually, Yes, that he actually gave this, this sermon. 
And this is how he teaches us how to do point of contact evangelism. In other words, we find that with which we can agree, some point of, of mutuality between us, rather mm-hmm. than looking for all the differences Difference, and trying correct. to point out that I'm right, you're wrong. Uh-huh. Find the point of contact and begin with that. Yes, and so he does that, and it's very interesting because he does it with this um, altar that we were talking to you about when they were so fearful of missing a God, they created the altar of the unknown God, and he says, okay, tell you what, I know that God that you don't know mm-hmm. about. So. Let's, let's take a look at this in verse 22. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all aspects, for while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And then he goes on to say that the God he's going to tell them about is the God who actually created the heavens and the earth, and that we are his children. And then he goes on to say there was a man who was raised from the dead on verse 31, and he is the one that testifies through the resurrection. And so Paul tells them about who Jesus is. And some men uh, joined him, says verse 34, and believed, uh, mm-hmm. and other ones didn't. And here we have Paul in the middle of uh, probably one of the most famous and, uh, how can I say, knowledgeable cities, because mm-hmm. that's where people went for philosophy and, yeah. and religion, uh, preaching Christ. Well, Greece has been known as the center of philosophy. It gave birth to philosophy, and they were they were very much into intriguing thought, new mm-hmm. thoughts, new Absolutely. ideas, a philosophy for life, and philosophers were revered. Yeah. And But Paul came up with something that was really quite out of the ordinary for these people. Yes, actually, some of the things we follow today, part of the, our political system, yeah. part of the, the the comes judicial system comes from Greece. And, uh, but as far as religion was concerned, they couldn't have been farther from what the Jews believed in. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they just had one God. As a matter of fact, this is something that God had to deal with right at the beginning of the people of God of Israel because mm-hmm. they were in Egypt, which also had uh, many gods, many, many a gods, multitude of a gods. multitude of gods. And God gave them uh, his commandments so that they would start a different type of thinking. And when we find the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, the first thing we see is that God says, you shall have no other gods. I am the only God. I'm mm-hmm. the one that actually created the heavens and the earth. You should not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or the earth beneath or the water under the earth. You should not worship them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So here we have have God from the very beginning when Israel starts saying, you shall not have a multitude of gods. No, only Verse, one is me. Yeah, I am the only God. And here Paul is trying to teach these people that there is only one God. And I was uh, thinking about this. Is there any idols today you think? Do you think that here <laughs> in this country that is a monotheistic country in the United States um, that actually we we do have idols? I think that we have idols. I think that some of us worship money, uh, possessions. Others of us worship celebrities. Others of us worship uh, just the idea of success. Hmm. Uh, I think there, there are a multitude of idols that still exist today. We may not so much put them on the mantel place and bow down and give homage to them, but certainly by the way we spend our lives, we demonstrate that we 
we do have the idols you know, because that's how we spend our lives. You know, sometimes when I go through the freeway or other places, I also have my spirit provoked within me like Paul had in verse 16 because I do observe that the, the, the cities nowadays are also full of idols. And uh, both Mike and myself, you know, we, we work with people that have addictions, that have been seeking for something greater than themselves, and sometimes they get involved in gambling, in, in, in sexual addiction, in alcohol, and all the times they were seeking in Perhaps you're one of those seekers that have been looking for something greater than yourself, mm-hmm. but you have gotten in trouble worshiping one of these modern idols. In fact, when you really get into these things, you find out that they don't bring success and they don't bring fulfillment and happiness. In fact, they bring a greater sense of emptiness, guilt, shame, and loneliness than you ever dared dream possible before. Uh, they are empty and they have an empty promise. There is one, though, who can bring you a great promise, and that is Jesus Christ. So is the, in striking to me that we still have the same message that Paul had back then in in the midst of a society that uh, sometimes is afraid of of the true God and is seeking to feel that I don't know. I think God placed a hole in in our soul mm-hmm. <laughs> that seeks after Him. And when you don't seek Him, you end up in all kinds of trouble, worshiping all kinds of idols and gods. Someone has described that as a God shaped void that can oh. be filled by nothing but God. Mm. Anything else is putting a round peg in a square hole. Mm. And we can talk until we're blue in the face about philosophies and idols and religions and make altars to the unknown God. But the truth is, until you come to Jesus Christ, you will not find rest. That's the very truth. That's the reality. And Jesus has proclaimed this. He says, come unto me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He says, I'm the one who will give you rest and fulfillment. Trust me. So today we want to invite you to come to this God the one that created the heavens and the earth, and that when the human race fell, he decided not to go throughout eternity without us. So he sent Jesus Christ that he would save us. And really, that's how simple it is. That's the whole story of redemption. It is Jesus who will bring meaning to your life. He will give you a focus, a purpose, a direction. He will give you something to live for on a day-to-day basis. He gives you something bigger than yourself to live for, a reason Something that you would perchance even die for. Jesus is the one who brings focus and purpose to your life, and he will give you meaning and joy. Trust him today. Know him today, and he will give you focus for your life. Thank you for joining us today on Jesus 101. We want to thank Voice of Prophecy for their generosity in sharing these biblical studies with Jesus 101. For more insights and resources, connect with us at Jesus101institute.org. That's Jesus101institute.org. Until next time, live free. Woohoo! With this, 
We have almost come to the end of our broadcast. To know more on God's word, you are always welcome to write to us on Adventist World Radio, Post Box number 17, Pune, 411001, Maharashtra, India. You may also email us on Adventist Media Center at gmail.com. We also invite you to visit our website for these programs and that is awr.org/englishprogram. This is your host Sharad and I'm Maureen signing off from Adventist World Radio. Do join us again along with your family and friends. Until then we wish you goodbye and God bless you. 